Welcome to Too Deep, Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete, and my co-host is Robbie. Robbie, how you feeling after last night? I actually feel pretty decent. I don't know if I stayed out as late last night as the rest of Hokie fans, and if you did, props to you, but it... It was a good night, so my it was. my voice my voice is as about as bad as it's going to get. I think I feel like you might have been here. Are you having deja vu? Because you think you came here after the game. We're at the River Mill in downtown Blacksburg. I'd have to check my bar tabs <laughs> to figure out if that was actually the case. I I jetted out of the game just after our last TD, so I could get in the line at Tots, and uh, that worked out. We got in for a little bit. And I was definitely burning the midnight oil with some of my buddies, and we had a good time. Why don't you give us a cheers and start it up? I'll give us a cheers to Thursday night is back. How about that? It's Thursday night in Blacksburg, a staple of Hokies football. We basically, I think we're part of the invention of Thursday night college football. A number of times that we've hosted it here, a number of times we've gone on the road and played Thursday football. It's... You know, we brought a brand recognition to ESPN's Thursday Night Football, and last night it was out in full force in terms of stats, yards, controlling the game. It got a little close at some points, but it feels like Virginia Tech football is back in Blacksburg, and I'm juiced up about it. So let's do a cheers to to Thursday Night, which is one of my favorite games of the year. Absolutely, man. Cheers to that. Oh, baby. If you weren't aware or don't remember from last year, me and Robbie do a shot of Wild Turkey 101 at the beginning of every podcast. And we we haven't said that in a while, and I'm not sure everyone knew what our shot was when we start off. But boy, oh, boy, does it burn every time. It hurts worse this morning than (laughs) many others. I actually think I need it. So we're going to start with... Just our regular game rundown. It's going to be a little bit more ad lib than normal because I got out of bed about an hour ago. <laughs> so, right in the beginning of the game, we got off to a great start. Two tackles in the backfield right from the beginning, and it was a defensive battle for a while. We we kicked a field goal. Miami kicked a field goal, and we were knotted up three three at the end of the first quarter. In the second quarter, there was a key play that happened where. Sam Rogers went streaking down the middle of the field, and it might have been one of my favorite Virginia Tech plays of this season. I mean, how were you feeling? When he juked, I think he juked at least two Miami defenders. It was awesome. It reminded me of what, you know, the, the Ohio State game. But it, it, when he, exactly. What he does in space sometimes. And we played Sam Rogers the way that I've been saying all season, that we can use him effectively in not using him in the running back or as a, as a true fullback, but using him as more of a wide receiving threat every now and again. And two plays, I think 74 yards that he ended up having, and that play just was unbelievable. It really was. And so we scored, uh, I think, on the next play to Bucky Hodges. Nice pass from Evans. Squeaked it right by the defender for our first TD in it. It was kind of a relief because we had been playing well to that point, but we didn't have. We were only up six to three. That extended the lead thirteen to three, and we kicked one more field goal before the half. But unfortunately, as the half was winding down, Miami drove right down the field, got two ridiculous catches, 
and then the touchdown pass to make it 16-9. to But they did us a favor, and they missed the extra point, which still kept us up by a touchdown. When the second half started, you could kind of tell Fuente had made some adjustments, and the offense came out super, super aggressive. We went right down the field. It was, uh, let me see here, four plays, 70 yards, another touchdown to Bucky. There was a long pass. Was it Cam on that drive? I'm not exactly sure, but the Bucky touchdown. Bucky is turning into an incredible player in, on those inside slant kind of routes, and he's scored a couple TDs that way now. He's He's been an incredible player. I think the offense has really opened up to him as people are starting to cover more on Isaiah Ford. And then you have Cam Phillips. Then you show that Rodgers is a threat. And it's overwhelming defenses, I think, at this point. And it's allowing Bucky to do what he does, which is to get a little bit of space, use his height. His, he's huge. I mean, he's a big dude. Yeah. And getting Six, into seven. space and grabbing the ball and really punishing defenses at this point. So we would go up 23-9 to nine with that TD. And on the following drive, uh, Miami... Got a couple big plays, and then the touchdown, this is kind of a complaint I had, but the guy was wide open. I think it was, might have been Richards. I can't, I can't say for sure. Like I said, we're kind of ad-libbing this a little bit, but it was Herndon. They're a deep threat, and he got past Faison, or I'm not even sure Faison was in the picture at first. He caught the ball, and then Faison tried to like push him out of bounds, but like pushed him into the end zone. That was legitimate. We had a great game last night. I dropped more F-bombs on that play <laughs> than I care to recall because it just looked so weak. Like, it looked it, so it was odd. It was so atypical to what Faison likes to do, which is usually getting people's – he kind of – I think Faison learned a lot from Fuller, which is being very aggressive as a defensive back and being in people's face and, you know, you get a penalty called here and there. And that just looks so bullshit. It just didn't look like he was putting the effort in. I don't know if he knew where he was on the field or what, but he like he shoved him like you would shove someone to push them out of bounds, and it just shoved him right into the end zone. But he was going to probably score anyway. Uh, well, whatever. It's 23-16 at that point. And then we come back. We do another play to Sam Rogers. He only had two catches in the game, but they were both key plays. And then Stephen Peoples gets open. After Sam Rogers gets the pitch from Gerard Evans, you think it's going to be a run for a loss. Stephen Peoples is hanging out in the end zone, and Rogers hits him with a pass as he's about to get hit. It was fullback to fullback, <laughs> and I, you know, incredible. It incredible. was awesome. All over the internet is the fullback to fullback pass, <laughs> which never happens, and it happened in this game. And somehow Stephen Peoples is uh, a threat for, for, for opposing defenses on the pass game in the second game straight because we had the pass in Syracuse yeah. to Stephen Peoples. A, a big third down in Syracuse he caught against the sideline, which I never thought he would catch. But So then we're up 30-16, to 16, and at that point, four minutes left in the game. You started to feel really good about Tech getting the win. For those of us who are a little bit more nervous, you're never completely sure. But... When Miami tried to start going on offense after that, our defense was just fired up. We got the ball back one more time just to kill the clock. And what do you know? Trayvon up the middle, and then Gerard Evans out the, on the outside, down the sideline, scores the final touchdown of the game, making it 37-16, and Lane was fully rocking. It was the loudest I recall Lane being in a long time, and it... 
it just brought back so many memories, like to back to the early 2000s when we were just going hype on Thursday nights. It, 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 credit to the fans. Everybody was loud. It was loud as hell in there. I was screaming. I have no voice left. And it, it was just a raucous atmosphere. It really was. We are actually going to bring in a guest. He's, he's been kind enough to come by today. Uh, Ryan Dye of The Key Play. He's been writing articles for them for just a little over a few months. I think he started this year, and I'll, he'll correct me if I'm wrong. But he had a chance to be on the field for a short period of time last night and in the press box. So it was. it's great to have you on, Ryan. Thank you. On the field last night, they let you on the field for how long? Just at the end of the game, in the beginning? Yeah, we're allowed to go on the field before the game starts, and then we're allowed to go on the field the final four minutes. Okay. So when you were walking down at the end of the game, what was it like on the field? Was it loud? Was it going crazy or what? Um, I believe uh, there was a Miami injury okay. somewhere in there. And so I took the, the chance because it's an elevator ride down. And I said, here's the chance I'm going to get to go on the field. I want to see what it's like for the end of this game. And I, I walked out of the tunnel as Evans was scoring. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> this is good timing. Um, and it, it, was, it was deafening, like so loud. And that's one of the things that you can't, you can't, you can't hear it in the press box. You can hear how loud the crowd is, but it's an in, it's closed, so you can't, you don't, you just don't know. Yeah. Until you're out there, and then right. so I got out there, and I literally looked around at fans, and I started asking, "Was is this how loud it's been all night?" And from everything I've heard, that it, it was louder than that at, at points, like, you know, on defensive stands and stuff. So, uh, shout out to Hokie Nation because it was loud down there. It was. It was, and. Robbie and I were both in the stands and screaming, so it's kind of hard to tell when you're using your own voice and trying to contribute to that noise, but it felt super, super loud, and I can only imagine what it was like on the field, and that's probably why Miami was having so many problems. I'm curious, uh, on the sideline, was there anything that like we, we miss being in the stands? Like, Was there anything cool you could see from that angle, or you, know, you saw certain players that looked bigger in person, or what, what, what did you see when you were down there? I, size, <laughs> like you said, certain. I mean, I go to. I have class with Tim Settle. I also have class with Tremaine Edmonds in the same class, and so they walk by. Is that me. A jo- uh, rocks for jocks or something? No, it's actually media writing, and okay. it's the hardest class I'm, I'm taking. Teasing. That's amazing. Props to them, yeah, because for, this for is sure. a very hard class that they're they're in. Um, Tremaine scares me as, as a human being. He's, he is massive. He is. I mean, he's he's six foot five, and he's. He's built like a like an NFL linebacker. Um, <clears throat> so I guess one of the the things that you, you get on the sideline, and Bucky's tall, and we all know that. But then Divine Diablo walked by me. He's tall. He's you know we huge. haven't seen much of Diablo the last couple games, which is surprising because I think he's going to be huge for this. Yeah. I, I I put in our preview that he was my offensive player breakout player to watch. Yeah, we liked him a lot in the preseason, too. It hasn't happened yet, but I don't know that that's, you know, it might happen still. Um, But he's tall. Devin Wilson. Yeah. You think think of a basketball player, especially a point guard. And my my, my thought is always he's short because he's a point guard. But he's not. He's way taller. He's He's way taller than I am. (laughs) Um, So just the pure size of these guys. Ken Cannon walked by me in street clothes and – they're they're huge down there. You also before we uh, started, you mentioned that you saw some NFL scouts on the sideline. A lot of them. Um, like how many are we talking? Like ballpark at Forest? 
I, I don't have the NFL. Um, off off the top of my head, the Steelers, the I'm a Colts fan. The Colts, um, the Broncos, the Chargers, the Lions. Damn. So uh, there was there was a lot of a lot of people there evaluating. Yeah. Maybe Brad Kaya, but you know um, it's starting yeah. to turn in the direction of perhaps Gerard Evans. People are starting to talk about him a little bit as an NFL prospect. It's probably more down the road, but it's guys like Kenneth Canham they probably wanted to see. Unfortunately, he didn't play. But Tremaine, being young, I'm sure they just got an eyeful of him. Woody Barron's a senior. He's going to probably go in this draft. It's cool to see that many scouts being at our games. Sam Rogers, he has Do you to, think he, he has, has a place to in have NFL? a place on a team somewhere? You would think. Somebody, he showed me a lot more speed than I thought he had last night. Somebody put on Twitter that he's the kind of guy that the Patriots pick up and scores three touchdowns. <laughs> it's true. He's it, like a Danny Woodhead. He, he's that person that you don't know about. And he, I mean, he, he can be a special teams player easily. Yeah. And then if they need somebody on offense, you know, if you need him for two plays a game, he's good. So I guess my last question for you would really be about how you see us using this win going forward, and you think it propels Tech towards the Coastal title. Now, I don't know. Uh, you, you kind of um, – you're a journalist. You've been get in the press box for a bunch of games this year. So you kind of have to stay unbiased. Right. But here you can say whatever you want. <laughs> um, How do you think it's going to end up for us? Do you think we're going to win the Coastal or what? Before the season, I said 8-4. and four, and that's, I, what, that's what we said. I had us losing to Tennessee, North Carolina, Pitt, and Notre Dame. We've obviously beaten North Carolina at this point. Um, so I guess – Pitt's the big one now. I mean, you, if, if you can go up to Heinz Field and you can beat Pitt, which we haven't done up there since 1999. Right. It's a scary thing. If you can do that, then you're fine. Um, you're going to finish the season at worst, you know, I mean, 9-3 and three, even if you drop one that you shouldn't. But at this point, I'm, not, I'm no longer afraid of Notre Dame. And I, I'm, I'm making that trip later this year. I'm not afraid of them anymore. Um, as the VT Twitter just put out, some other team from Seaville. <laughs> That's literally what they just said. I am, I'm not afraid of UVA. I'm not afraid of Georgia Tech. I'm not afraid of Duke. So if, if they can beat Pitt, then I have them at 10-2 and two in the ACC championship game. And the cool part about this becomes if they play Clemson. And realistically, I don't think they can beat Clemson. I think they can give them a game, but I don't know that they can beat them. The talent level is still just too far right now. But I think even if you lose that game... Clemson's going into the playoff, and that means we're going to be in the Orange Bowl. That's true. I also would agree with you that I don't think we're at the stage to beat Clemson yet. We'll see how these next games go, but after Syracuse, I'm not counting GT, Duke, UVA. I'm not counting any of them as a surefire win. We were favored by 20 points against Syracuse, and it didn't shake out the way we wanted. That's very true. But, Ryan, thank you so much for coming on today. We appreciate you stopping by. This is the point in the podcast when I have to ask Robbie what he's drinking. I am drinking, and props to Rivermill because they have some really good beers and kind of obscure beers. They have the uh, Pineapple Sculpin on draft, which I have not seen. You go to some bars. I go to some bars. I have never seen the Pineapple Sculpin on draft. A lot of people have it, but uh, I'm not drinking that. Uh, but right now I'm drinking the Mocha IPA. Um, and it's from Stone Brewery. They started out of San Diego, California. 
evidently all the best breweries are on the West Coast these days, except for uh, for a few. And it's fucking awesome. It's it's really really good. It's got a almost a coffee mocha flavor, as you would imagine from the name, but it's got an IPA touch to it. And it's like going to a coffee shop and then somebody gets you like a really nice like drink at a coffee shop. But then they just kind of threw in some hops and a little bit of liquor. I love it. It's 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 very nice. You're having a beer latte. Is what you're uh, it's a beer, it's, it's certainly a beer latte. Stone is awesome. We we've had them on a bunch of times and all their beer is so good. I'm actually drinking a new one. It's the Jade by Foothills Brewing Company. It's in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. So maybe this is part of my, my wake-up session this year. But I do enjoy a good citrusy IPA, and that's what this is. If you haven't had the Jade, I highly, highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite beers we've had on this season. It's super good. Robbie tried it earlier, and we both agreed it's, it's a delicious IPA. Let's go through some of our observations. Uh, we obviously had Ryan on to, to give us kind of a boots-on-the-ground approach, and we gave you our game recap, but we need to talk a little bit more in depth about the players of this game and, and how much certain players affected it. I mean, the defense as a whole was amazing. I was so impressed with the way we were able to bottle up their run. That's something that I said in our preview that we needed to stop their run first and then hit Kaya. And those two things came together so beautifully. Your preview might have been the most perfect uh, keys for the game that I've ever heard. <laughs> Even a blind squirrel finds an acorn every once in a while. I, I, I just can't speak enough about this team. The resolve that they came out after a loss to Syracuse. They got... In fact, I think, just like we said on the last podcast, the loss to Syracuse was a net benefit to this game. They came out, and they played hard, gritty football. We lost some people on the defensive line that didn't end up playing, and they still showed as well as they have all season. They really did. 12 tackles for loss as a team in this game, and... If that doesn't just tell you the whole story of the game right there. I mean, we started the game with two tackles for loss, and it just that type of pressure continued. Yes, they got their few home run hits, and I, I'm starting to think that that might be something that we're going to have to deal with in the Bud Foster defense. But the, the plus side of how aggressive he plays is amazing. We hit Kaya a ton. I have to talk about Woody Barron because he might have had the game of his life. Four and a half tackles for loss just abusing people on the inside. I was so impressed with what Woody... It's not someone that we've talked about that much this year. Maybe because his play is always just so solid. You know, he kind of... He walks that line, but he deserves to be talked about. Two and a half sacks. He was everywhere last night. It was incredible. So Miami, let's start with the defensive side of the ball, like you alluded to. Miami had 42 yards on the ground. I'm just going to leave that there for a second. On 29 attempts, 42 rushing yards on 29 attempts. So now let's take it down a little deeper because we love, we're both stat heads. So let's take it down a step deeper because in college, you negate the sacks, right? So it comes off the top. So let's take out the negative 55 yards for Kaya and let's all enjoy that for a moment. And then, okay, so negative 55. So they had 97 yards on the ground on 20 attempts. 
Is that good? No, because Joseph Yerby had a 41-yard rush. Right. So all told, they had 56 yards on 19 attempts. That is unbelievable, especially against a very talented Miami team that recruits very highly. Yerby is an excellent runner. He's a very good runner. And that is incredible. So let's just start there. This this defense played exceptional last night. And they did exactly what they had to do because if you force Kaya to sit in the pocket, he's not mobile. And it proved as such because guys like Woody, Mahota, Trevon Hill, they were they were getting him down before you knew it. It, it was like you thought he was going to break away, but then you realize he has such slow feet that you are able to sack him so much more easily to the tune of eight sacks as a team. Eight sacks. I mean, they had seven sacks on the season coming in. It was incredible. So you had Edmonds had one, Barron had two and a half, Mahota had two, Hill had one and a half, and Hill was coming off of, uh, and our condolences, literally a funeral for his, his, his grandmother. And then you had Walker had another half sack, and Sobchak had another half sack. On top of that... The entire defensive line had a sack. Yeah, basically (laughs) everybody had a sack. And on top of that, Mahota's shoulder popped out in the first half, and then he came back and he played in the second half. It was incredible. A lot of people have said good things about Mahota. He hasn't been talked about a lot people are not focusing in on him, but then he comes back and he plays the second half. He, that guy's a bull. Yeah. He's an absolute bull, and he just doesn't give a shit. Mm. He's a bull in a china shop, man, and he wreaks havoc. I love that guy. I love the way he plays. I love his dirty ass ponytail. <laughs> I love everything about it's, him. It's it's <laughs> disgusting but amazing at the same time. And Tremaine Edmonds, he had ten tackles, seven solo, two for a loss. That guy. There was, as as alluded to by Ryan, there are a lot of scouts in the stands. People have to be salivating over getting him on their team because he's a monster. He had, the combination of size and speed. Absolutely, absolutely. And you've been high on him. You brought, you talked about it in in the season preview about what you thought Edmonds was going to do this year, and he's proven it time and time again. I'm trying to think if there's anyone we should mention on the defense before we move on to offense. Maybe his brother. Terrell had an (laughs) interception. He also had seven tackles and five solo tackles. (laughs) I mean, the Edmonds brothers, if they had only put Trey at Mike Linebacker. Now, Andrew Motuapaka is becoming a very good player. But if Trey was a senior at middle linebacker like they thought he would have been when we recruited him as a four-star, we'd have three Edmonds brothers at three, like, different positions just crushing it but be it as it may the two that we do have are awesome i love watching them on the field together and the dreads hanging out the back of their helmets just it's that little extra swagger that that makes us look like tech again the only negative that i actually have and i have almost nothing for the defense i think they played outstanding was moto had kind of an off game he he didn't he didn't do he he didn't cause any problems but he was not as nearly as productive. He only had, uh, in this game, two tackles, I think it was. Did he have know? a tackle for a loss? I, there was a play where he like ripped a guy down by his shoulder pads yeah. and threw him to the ground. That's, yeah. that's one of the ones. But I'm he's averaging like seven, eight, nine, ten tackles 
in this game, he was a little less productive. But I also think that was part of the offensive scheme that uh, Miami had to either come into or they adjusted to in the game. And his position was not the position of the forefront. And really, let's be honest, like the defensive line was making so many tackles because they couldn't get beyond it that Moto didn't need to make that many tackles. And, and when you throw Tremaine in there, it's like, his work was done, you know. Moto had a good game, but he didn't even need to really like do anything because yeah. everyone else was making plays. Yeah, I mean, God's gift. Forget that. I'm going to put Tremaine Edmonds on my two <laughs> arms on, on my back arms. That's so. What let's speaking of God's gift. Let's move to the offense, and I want to talk about uh, Gerard first. You have to start with Gerard Evans. I mean, 21 for 33, not the most perfect completion percentage in the world but if you watch this game he was it was a master class of playing quarterback technically the game against ecu and boston college was a higher qbr but it was if it wasn't his best it was right there with the best we've seen and that's what i said we were going to need tonight i should say last night for to win this game and he brought it. I mean, he brought everything we needed. Two touchdowns passing, a touchdown rushing, just starting to become, I said it to Ryan, like he's becoming a Heisman candidate. Like uh, he's playing out of his mind. He's, I mean, he had 21 completions, 33 passes, 64%, which is, I think, where we're going to see him. So in bad game, like UNC, I think he was 57% completion percentage or something along no, those No, it was 7 for 17, but that was a, a hurricane. Oh, sorry. No, it was like 40, 40, yeah. 40%. But outside of that game, he's completing right around where you want a good quarterback to be. Right around 60, 65. 65. Yeah. yeah, that's where you want him to be. He was 64 in this game, two TDs. Decent stat line, and it was just a really solid. He got so much time. I think the offensive line played pretty well in this game. He had a lot of time in the pocket. He made the right decisions, which he continues to do. It's it's unbelievable that this guy was not highly recruited by other programs because he makes the right decisions. He... Yeah, he has a little trouble on the option. Sometimes he holds when he should be, you know, passing it off. But that's it. I mean, he he has two interceptions on the year, and one of them wasn't his fault. So he has one interception, a real interception on the year, which is incredible. And he's so sneaky good at running. It, he doesn't look like he's really getting many yards, but he has a way of working his way around people's shoulders and whatever else, and all of a sudden he's five yards down the field. And if you try to try to take him up high – He's just going to power you five more yards. I mean, 6'3", 240, he doesn't go down very easy. And I, I really can't talk enough about him. 259 passing. Was it 98 rushing on top of that? On top and a touchdown on top of that. So it, it, sometimes people just look at the passing yards. He's also being productive on the ground, which is incredible. Speaking of the rushing game, our boy Trayvon McMillan stepped up huge in this game. 131 yards, 7.3 yards per carry. And in any Fuente offense, it seems to come in spurts, and you don't even realize like that he has that many yards. And he ends up with 130. I, I don't know where they came from, but I remember him just... It just snuck up on it you. Just, it, it sneaks up on you because I was actually getting... This is the problem with watching the game from the stands, is that you're like, what is he doing? Like, these play calls, I'm seeing four and five wide. Like We should be running the ball. We're winning... 
but he was running out of four wide sets. It's it's kind of crazy what what uh, what Fuente does. It's really it's it's a lot of misdirection. And in the stands, I was complaining that I didn't think we were running enough. And then I look at the stats and I look at the play calls, and there were some times where he could have ran, but. He's better at football than me. <laughs> Do you want to know how hard it is to be a coach? Because I had the exact same like thought. I the exact same was we need to be rushing it more. What the hell are we doing? I'm yelling, I'm pounding fists during our touchdowns with the people next to me, and then I'm screaming the next minute that we're not rushing the ball enough because we got a. At one point, we had a, a five wide receiver set going when we're winning the game yes and i'm like what the hell are we doing and then trayvon runs it the <laughs> misdirection that fuente employs is it's freaking incredible and it gets me so excited for virginia tech football to be pumped about the offense i've spent what the last five years being excited about having a good defense and fuente just brings a whole nother element and Cornelson, for that matter. I mean, a lot of those calls are probably him, too. And then you have the same Rodgers pass to another fullback. It was... You know, it's funny because I was mad about the previous trick play they called to Isaiah Ford that ended up like that reverse that lost 11 yards. That play sucked, by the way. That play sucks. (laughs) But then, if if Sam had gotten taken down before he got a chance to throw that pass, I would have said that play sucks. It's... You know, if it works, we love it. But I do think Fuente has to pick his spot slightly better because the point we were on first down with that Isaiah Ford loss, mm-hmm. I didn't think it was necessary. Yep. The Sam Rogers play, you're getting close to the red zone or you're in the red zone. I'm not exactly sure what yard line and where they were at, but that seemed like a perfect time to run kind of a, a you know, kitschy play, and, and that's what they did. And it worked to perfection, and it was, it was beautiful. Sam... Sam Rogers continues to impress me. Every time he runs the ball uh, after the catch, I should say, I'm shocked by his agility, his speed. It's amazing that no one recruited him. It really is. It's inc- he was a walk-on. I mean, he didn't even have an offer. He had an offer nowhere. Like It was like maybe some Division three schools. But it shows Sam Rogers as much as – and some other people want to bag on Sam Rogers that everybody like thinks that everybody's so hyped up about him and he's not that good. And we only like him because he's a walk on this kid came in and he showed resolve and he showed work ethic and he embodies what Virginia tech is about. And what Virginia tech football is about was always and has always been the only reason that we're on the map that people even talk about us is the resolve that we show and the work ethic that we put in. He embodies that. And that's why I love him so much, even though as a running back or a fullback carrying the ball pisses me off. (laughs) Speaking of, you know, a guy who built himself up and this is someone that you talked about in the preseason as someone who could have a huge year and it's cam phillips again this is three games in a row now that i thought he has shown up and is becoming so so reliable seven catches 64 yards and they're in key moments and he's done it now Again and again, his consistency is what's really amazing. And and I'll give you credit because I wasn't so sure this was going to be the case. I might have thought Cam is a little bit more limited. But with the attention Isaiah Ford gets and what it opens up for Cam Phillips, it's starting to really show. And Cam is up to the challenge. 
It's awesome. Yeah. He's, you know, uh, I got lucky. Yeah. You want to talk about finding, <laughs> finding, finding the nut. Uh, I just thought that there was going to be a lot of tension on Ford. Ford came out this season and produced, which meant that there was going to be more open field for Bucky and Phillips, which I thought was going to happen. I actually didn't see, and I, I, I wish I did at the time, seeing what would happen with Bucky. Because now Bucky's getting open, too, with he Hodges. Really and he is not... Ford is a difference in, in the fact that you can put him out there and he's going to make plays all over the field. Phillips and Hodges need a little bit of assistance, I guess is the best way to play. You take the focus, put it on Ford. Oh, now I'm really going to go after you because now you have these two open players that are fantastic. They're lean, they're tall, they, they can get after you in different ways. I, I think they're having a really great season. The past two games, I mean, they had seven and seven, what, receptions in this game, I Bucky, think, each. Yeah, Bucky and Cam. It was fantastic. Bucky had the two TDs. He's turning into the receiver that we always thought he could be. Started as a quarterback, became a tight end, and it, it, it's taken him a little while, but I think it's clicked. I mean, he is, his receiver skills have improved so much to me. The catch on the sideline against UNC, the last week against Syracuse getting a TD up the middle, and last night with two touchdowns, I mean, he's starting to become that receiver that we needed so badly. And you know what's funny, though? If you look at Bucky, Cam, Ford, and Rodgers, our four big playmakers, who would you say is the best after the catch? Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, not Ford. Not Ford, Ford. Ford is absolutely, he is a playmaker in catching the ball. He is the best one in the air catching the ball. After the catch, it's probably Rodgers. It's Rodgers. Yeah. It's without a doubt, it's Sam Rodgers. And, and no, funny. I didn't look at his stat line before this. And, and he happens to be the only white guy of those four. But <laughs> he's got skills. When it comes to juking people and everything else, I love Cam, but I've always not loved the way Cam runs in the open field. Ford is a more of like great hands, great body positioning, catching the ball. But Rodgers is the guy with the ball in his hands that can make things happen. And Bucky is starting to do that. Yep, I agree. Uh, one last one is, uh, and, and this is actually pretty important. I know it seems off straight, but uh, Ludwig with his uh, punting. The punts. Well, <laughs> the punts were actually outstanding. And he has really struggled. It, we... I don't know. I haven't looked at the stats, but there were like 35-yard, 33-yard punts averaging early on in the season. Last night, he had 47.6 average punt. That's right where you want to be. Is And that's actually long for real. You want to be right around 45. And he was punting. The, and I remember during one of the plays, who pays the pen? attention to punts and one of his punts it went was so up in the far. air was up and I was like holy hell that's it, it made you pay attention because yeah. they were that good and even when he had to go short he nailed it too mm-hmm. it was a great it was a great special teams performance by him in terms of summing it up Miami was 3 of 15 on third down in this game and that was huge we were able to sack Kaya in key moments again and again and get our defense off the field, allowing Evans and the guys we just talked about to do work. Did you have any overall thoughts before we 
365 yards for Miami, that's low for them, and especially in what their offense has produced this year. We had 523, which is right where we should be against a defense, a little bit depleted defense, so let's be honest with ourselves for a second. No fumbles, no interceptions. That's the key to this game is the momentum and the ability to control the ball. And just two penalties. That's incredible. Also amazing. Well, I don't remember the last time that we only had two penalties. (laughs) It's been a while. It's been a while. But overall, great performance. Great night. I mean, we really enjoyed ourselves. I think Robbie's wife appreciates the win more than just about anyone else who just walked in. (laughs) But, uh, But, yeah, man, I mean, I couldn't have been happier with how it went last night. It was it was everything that we thought this team could do on the field, and they lived up to it last night. 